never say die! Fourteen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 233 of 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh, and the Jumanji movies really speak to me. For one, if you take too long to take your turns in a board game at my place, there will be dire consequences. <laughs> also, cake is my weakness. <sighs> yeah, cake makes me explode. <laughs> Above <laughs> the belt. <laughs> Yes. So this week we are what we are what we have watched: 1995's Jumanji versus 2017's Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle, starring. Now this actually, you just brought up an interesting question in my in my mind, uh, Josh. Are there any games that we currently have that are like we're in the middle of, like we're on a 20 year break of something we started in college that we haven't finished? I'm guessing I'm gonna go with a, probably a game of Axis and Allies. Board games? I don't think so. I generally speaking, I insist unless everyone's too drunk and is just like fuck you, I guess the game's over. Like I insist on them getting finished, but I'm sure there are role playing games that are twenty years overdue. Yeah, well like my campaign, for instance, with Boldar. <laughs> yeah. Um, the hell people. <laughs> did we did we ever finish that twelve person magic game we had going? Jesus, no. In, a, in an alternate universe, those people are crying and dying in that table right now. I mean, everyone but Jay conceding and Jay being at 600 life is an end. <laughs> I think we just need to reassemble that team and go back in. <laughs> Jay has 600 life. Fuck this. <laughs> oh, that was interesting. Those were good days. If you like interesting good days, you might enjoy the shows on the Podcast Collective. Hmm. Including No Hope for Humanity, Dating Baggage, I Am Salt Lake, The Empty Rant Podcast, and of course, The Dog and Deuce Show. <gasps> <gasps> he forgot what? one. And the Rad Dad Radio Hour. <laughs> you guys totally didn't know what to do. There was a moment of panic there. I was about to start barking. <laughs> I had my guitar ready. <laughs> yes. Uh, if you're looking for our older stuff, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, Noon FM, Comment, and all other podcasting directories. You can find us in Geek Life. Com- yes, ComEd. That's what, exactly what I said, Joel. You need electricity, generally, to listen to our show. Yes. Good, good, good. Uh, now I don't know where to go with that. Geek Life Radio, 12 noon on Saturdays, and 708 Now Wrap, 708-669-9727, if you want to call and yell at us for something. Oh, crap, we have a voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> There's that professionalism. Yeah, that's what we're looking for right there. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Hello, self. How do you do? I really wish I had a voicemail. Um. <laughs> Background, Phil? I've got something for you. That's <laughs> the biggest bone. That's the biggest bone I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. So, June. Have you guys seen the trailer for the uh, Mr. Rogers movie yet? No. No. It keeps uh, popping up in the feed, but I haven't actually watched it yet. It'll make you want to cry. It's, the trailer's so good. All the feels. Yeah, on just it on its own. I'm like, oh my god, this movie's going to make me ball. I don't know. We have to do that for a future show. Yes, for Think, sure. Things that make Patrick cry? <laughs> well, that would be a long show. Yeah. <laughs> or just a short one. Life. Having a boss. <laughs> Not being able to poop. Uh the world's run out of weed. Not being able to poop. Pooping. 
both of those things. <laughs> Not pooping enough, pooping too much. I'm seeing a trend here. <laughs> pooping while pooping. Wait, what? You've that's done that's the old double poop. I can't believe you've <laughs> actually done that. If anybody's capable of pooping while pooping, it's bad. <laughs> Stop. Please tell me you've downloaded this voicemail by now. Stop, uh, yeah, I've already got one coming out. <laughs> yes, it's there. It's there. Please download it and play it. All right. Hey, voicemail, let's go. I got hot snakes and bubble gut. <laughs> Hey guys, Nick from Michigan. Uh, you guys missed out on the absolute best thing that Quentin Tarantino has ever done. Uh, I know you weren't talking about his acting roles, but I feel it's a missed opportunity. The best thing he has ever done is when he was an Elvis impersonator on the show Golden Girls. If mm-hmm. you haven't seen it, you absolutely have to look it up on YouTube. Have a good one. Bye. Well, thank you, Nick from Michigan. I actually had never seen that. Wait, I either. I had, but we had opted to negate the TV stuff, so we skipped it. Huh. Just one of those random appearances, like John Favreau was the clown on Seinfeld, that kind of shit. Yeah, it was really early on in his career. Huh. Look it up; it's on YouTube. I am. I am looking it up. That's terrifying. Um, There's like <clears throat> five or six of them, though. It's, he's not the only one. Oh, okay. Well, this is this is not good radio. Let's, no. Let's, so, uh, not good radio must mean about that time. It is about that time. Let's go. This week in music, movies, and TV. And sports. All right. So this uh, week we are doing December 15th, 1995 uh, for the release of the original Jumanji, which in my brain was very late. I thought it was a lot earlier than that. I thought it was 96, so it wasn't that far off. Huh. I didn't really have any preconceived idea. So. Yeah, I didn't see it till years later, so I had no idea. Hmm. All right, so. Music. The number one song is One Sweet Day by Mariah Carey and Boys to Men. You hear about the time that Michael Jackson called up Boys to Men? Yeah, he heard that uh, little boy's pants were half off. He was disappointed because he thought it was a delivery service. I was trying to kill the joke with the other joke about Kmart. Pooping. <laughs> uh, Darren Robinson, also known as Buffy the Human Beatbox and DJ Dr. Nice, among other aliases, was a member of the 1980s hip-hop group The Fat Boys. He, along with Dougie Fresh and others, were pioneers of beatboxing. On December 10th, Robinson collapsed from a heart attack after performing a song for a radio show and never regained consciousness. He was absorbed. Aw, that's kind of sad. He was only born in 82. Yeah, he was 28. Damn. Wow. Yeah. No he was also 450 pounds. Don't become a fat boy. I miss the fat boys. I, those guys were... Oh, you can eat... <laughs> <laughs> that... Disorderlies? That's a, that yep. was a fun movie. That was, the, that was their, their big movie. The fat boys are back, back, back. <laughs> and you know they can never be whack. The fat boys <laughs> <laughs> My favorite fat boys reference is always the line from uh, from Boomerang. I use it a lot. It's like... Man, first the fat boys break up, and now this. <laughs> Don't nice. forget their song for uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Wait, anyway. no, they did. They did. Will Smith did the Nightmare on Elm Street song. But there was more than one uh, song done for Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, there was like, oh, was it one where they were actually rapping about Freddy? Uh, uh, yes. Okay. 
Well, then there are two. I have learned something today. Hold on. That's what the tweet is for. I learned it. You, uh, yeah, what's called Are You Ready for Freddy? Sorry, I had to look it up. Oh, I thought Joel got upset and left. <laughs> no, How dare part. you argue with me about Fat Boys Facts? I'm out of here. Thank you for subscribing to Fat Boys Facts. <laughs> no, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. <laughs> hey, Joel, you want to uh, do that last one? Yeah, there? I just have a little bit of a loss there for a moment. <laughs> All right, so uh, Nancy Lamont was a singer popular on the New York cabaret circuit in the 1980s. She broke into radio and the international scene in the 1990s after decades spent singing in relative obscurity. After finally finding success, she was diagnosed with cancer and died on December 13th, one hour after wedding her longtime boyfriend. And she yes. was absorbed. Ew. I mean, that, well, that ew, really, but that, what the heck? Man, all three of these are depressing. <laughs> Jesus. She did not You, you didn't like one sweet day? Not really. <laughs> Moving on to movies. Oh, great. The number one movie was Waiting to Exhale. <laughs> this has just been a downer all tweet. <laughs> <laughs> not that it matters. Not I that saw that movie thinking it was something totally different. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, here, ah, don't worry. It's looking up, yeah. Movies released this week included Jumanji, Heat, Sense and Sensibility, and The City of Lost Children. <laughs> One of I these... liked three quarters of those movies. Um, well, sen- Sense and Sensibility? Did That's not it. care for it. Hmm, good. I'm glad that was the one that you didn't like, because I'm like, the other three are right up. If you don't like Heat, man, what the heck? Huge grant? Come on. Uh, City of Lost Children is still one of the examples of uh, pitch-perfect filmmaking. Agreed. Hmm. Is somebody moving in somewhere? What's going on with all yeah, that? Yeah, I've got people down here that apparently decided to go digging through boxes of things all of a sudden. Well, she's uh, in the middle of your podcasting. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, thought some... maybe, I thought maybe there was an archaeological dig going on or something somewhere. <laughs> Joel has a bad case of Morlocks. Holy Whatever that song is, Josh knows it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Holy Yeah. Yeah. Where are we going with this? I don't understand. That's, that's what they—that's what they were singing during the the archaeological dig during Indiana Jones. I know, but how did we oh. get here? That's what I'm wondering. I about. don't know. He started, and I had to finish. It's—it's it's the archaeological dig going on in Joel's house. All right. On December 19th, <laughs> while filming the Joe Pesci, Danny Glover comedy Gone Fishing, a boat jump stunt went horribly wrong, causing the death of Janet Wilder, one of Hollywood's leading stunt women. There were also injuries to four others, including her stuntman husband, who was in the boat with her. I would. It. it the worst sure. thing about this is that this all happened for a Joe Pesci, Danny Glover comedy. Yeah. 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 All the great movies she made in her life, and that's the one that gets her. It was supposed to be just a standard boat jump, and the guy that was driving the boat uh, basically fucked up and went off the ramp wrong, and they flipped. And That's terrible. Yep. All right. Born Madge Dorita Walters in Kingston, Madge Sinclair was best known for her roles in Cornbread, Earl and Me, Coming to America, the miniseries Roots, and the acronym of the week, TJMD, which, of course, is Thomas Jane Made Diarrhea. <laughs> That's the real Punisher. <laughs> By the way, Cornbread Earl and Me is the name of a movie. It's not two separate films. Oh. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I added the quotes, so I didn't know. I, oh. Yeah, 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 adding the quotes there. So it's not Cornbread. 
Earl and me. It's Cornbread Earl and me. Oh, okay. Yes. It was Lawrence Fishburne's, I think it was first film. You know, if there was an Oxford comma there, this would have been fixed. Never mind. Sinclair also voiced the character of Sarabi, Mufasa's wife and Simba's mother, in the animated feature film The Lion King. She died on December 20th after a 13-year battle with leukemia. Did you just have a bad week, Pat? What the hell? <laughs> I was going to say, is everything okay? <laughs> it's no worse than usual. Shit. Uh, she played the wife, uh, the queen in, of Zamunda in Coming to America. That's oh, okay. What What's the acronym of the week? Uh, that is um, Trapper John MD. Ah. Oh, very nice. Corn, comma, bread. Earl free me. I apologize, Joel. I didn't realize that Cornbread Earl was a nickname. I thought it was two separate movies. Is this? I'm just. was a great. It's a great podcast. They did like over 200 episodes, and they broke up because of Cornbread Earl and me. <laughs> uh, so and it wasn't about the movie. It was about punctuation. <laughs> I, I've never seen the film. <gasps> Whatever, Joel. Fuck you. <laughs> Go poop, poop. I'm gonna poop on you. Cornbread Earl and me. TV. <laughs> Wait, it's two separate movies. Cornbread Earl and me. They're two. <laughs> the Today Show became the highest rating morning news program where it would remain until 2012. Hooray. Um, hey. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, shit, I just realized I forgot to put in the top shows. Uh, let's go with um, Cheers, Seinfeld, and Friends. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Yep. Um. While a guest on his show, Drew Barrymore danced, table danced for David Letterman. At the peak of her performance, with her back to the audience, she flashed David by lifting up her skirt. Shirt. 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 Sorry. What day did that happen on? This date? That, December. December 15th? Well, it didn't happen all week long, is what I'm saying. No. Just on that date, sorry. That's a long table dance. My one con- contribution, and I messed it up, apparently. <laughs> Ace Ventura Pet Detective began its three-year run. In the theater? No, there was a TV show. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It was animated a- TV show. Oh, that's right. I thought a real show, like a live action show. I was like, what? No, and I actually was going to put in like um, some of the actors and like the date and all the information. And then I realized I didn't care. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's Pet Detective. This is way too much effort. Yeah. When I when I realized it wasn't Jim Carrey as the lead actor, I was like, okay, I'm done. Well, I'm... <laughs> There's this is only... far too much time spent on this. No, I'm just saying I quick looked it up. There's only one person listed as a cast, and that's Michael Dangerfield, the voice of Ace Ventura. So it must have been awesome. That's what I said. Yeah, I was like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. All right. The two shows that ended their run this week were Ren and Stimpy and Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. Coincidence? I'm confused why you think that would be. I figured somebody would run with that. Carmen Sandiego was last seen with Cornbread Earl. <laughs> <laughs> there were prints from Ren and Stimpy at the scene. Thank you. What did you guys think of Ren and Stimpy? Did you? I never watched it. Overall, I thought it was. It had this mix of so clever it made me laugh and so gross I did I didn't like it. So I, I both loved it and hated it at the same time. Mm. I don't like lowbrow toilet humor, and there was a lot of it. But bits like "Don't Whiz on the Electric Fence" and the log song were hilarious. It was very much like like Jackass. It's like boiled football leather. I used to like Gwen and Stimpy. I haven't seen it, though, so I don't know if it'd hold up. Yeah, somebody I was working with at Trader Joe's was cleaning out their closet, and they gave me a first-season DVD box set. That was a long time ago when the kids were still little, and every now and then they'd go like, oh, I want to watch The Dog and the Cat. I'm like, 
No. <laughs> Don't, Daddy doesn't want to get in that much trouble. Why not? All right. All right. Well, moving on to sports. Sports. On December 10th, in the first meeting of the two newest NBA expansion teams, the Toronto Raptors defeated the Vancouver Grizzlies 93-81. to That's pretty much all there is to say about that. From December 8th to the 11th, Sri Lanka had their first international test versus Australia in Perth. Several players had stellar performances, including Michael Slater, who scored 219, and Ricky Ponting, who scored 96 in his test cricket debut. But the star of the match was Mutaya Muralitharian, considered by many to be the best test bowler of all time, as he took 2 to 224 in Australian innings of 5 to 617. It's been a long time since we've had a cricket fact. Yeah. Now I remember why. <laughs> <laughs> but I, that's a fun one. In an, it is. In an alternate reality, there's a mic there that's really impressed because he knows what those numbers mean. Yep. But now we know about Mutaya Muralitharan, who is apparently one of the top. I think you nailed his name the second time. Yeah. Muralitharan. Yeah. You should Seems stop cool. now. But he's like... Uh, Michael Jordan of Test Cricket, apparently. Hmm. Yeah. All right. And lastly in sports, Johnny Moss, professional poker player and the first winner of the inaugural WSOP main event, died on December 16th at 88 years of age. He's one of the legends of poker. I'm kind of grateful that I didn't have any death in the TV this week. Just had Flash and David Letterman. I almost died twice during this twee. (laughs) Um... Drew Barrymore then shot David Letterman. Aw. Yeah, there you go. Wait, is, that, she... is that true? No. <laughs> <laughs> but David Letterman will die at some point. His corpse is still doing television. This is how the twee ends, not with a bang, but with a whimper. Take us out, keyboard Joel. That's <laughs> 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 terrible. Absorbed. <laughs> All right, so this week we watched Jumanji, 1995 versus Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, 2017, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And his eyebrows. And his eyebrows, yes. Uh, but no, 1995, here we have the... Why are you already talking about his eyebrows? What was wrong with his eyebrows? They were smoldering. Well, that's that's typical. He's always, I mean, that's his trademark. What's wrong with his eyebrows? Absolutely nothing. Exactly. <laughs> But we're talking about 1995. Yes. So, 1995. After being trapped in a jungle board game for 26 years, a man-child wins his release from the game. But no sooner has he arrived that he is forced to play again, and this time sets the creatures of the jungle loose on the city. It is now up to him to stop them. That is a description written by Joshua Davis. Which he's incorrect, because the game never ended for him, technically. He's not playing again. No, he's not playing again. So, Josh, Joshua Davis, your review of the movie is terrible, but still better than the one that IMDb had at the top of the page. Yes. Our review of your review of the movie is terrible. Right. And Wait. you are an awful person. You should be ashamed of yourself. We're Joshua Davis. And if you are a yeah. listener, call us and let us know how you feel about that. Uh. Seven, wait, now wrap. Thanks. All right. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> this is directed by Joe Johnson who also directed The Rocketeer and Captain America, The First Avenger. Two very fun uh, superhero movies. Yes, The Rocketeer, I think, is a very, un, uh, I don't say not low-rated, what is it? Well, underrated. Under, yeah, underrated. Underappreciated yeah. superhero movie. I've never seen it. 
I saw it in the theater with uh, Matt Brown. Yeah, I took my brother to go see it. It never really appealed to me. Dude, peak Dude. Jennifer Connelly. That's oh. all you need to know. Well, that's a good point. You you raise There's you raise two good points argument. in that. Oops, sorry, my drink is done. Um, so yeah, <laughs> this is writing credits is Jonathan Hensley, who also wrote with uh, Armageddon and The Punisher, the old '80s version, or, and uh, Greg Taylor, who strangely wrote Prancer. Uh, and this this kind of story, it's like Prancer, Jumanji, The Christmas Box. Harriet the Spy, something called The Summer of Monkeys, and then Christmas Wish, Santa and Pete, Prancer Returns, and Stealing Christmas. All right, Wait. let's go back to Summer of Monkeys. What? <laughs> I want to go back to the Christmas box. Was that a porn? What? We're okay. not doing the porn show, Joel. All right, so strangely enough, The Summer of Monkeys follows the story of young boy Jay who dreams of getting enough money to buy his own horse. Huh. What? How's there a horse in this all of a sudden? Oh, wait, wait. One summer, Jay finds four chimps on the prairie who have fallen off a circus cart. Wait, wait uh, what? Okay, never mind. He learns yes. there's a reward for uh, them. How did, how did falling off a surf- circus cart make that make sense? I don't know. <laughs> but he later learns that there's a big reward for them, enough to buy the horse. However, as time goes on, he befriends the chimps, and it becomes apparent that Jay can't bear to part with the chimps to buy the horse. So this is like three men and a chimp? One, end, one, horse, man, one man and three chimps. Four chimps and a kid. Four chimps and a kid. The horse comes in and just starts stomping on the chimps. <laughs> We're drifting into cornbread earl territory. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so then uh, Jim Strain, who did the 2013 blockbuster Space Warriors, uh, also Summer of the Monkeys. <laughs> Is that starring L the Robot? No. Hey there, Pat. Don't miss on Space Warriors. That's a good movie. It's who is in this? Danny Glo- Danny Glover is in it. I goddamn love that your your best impression is like this most obscure shit that nobody ever is gonna get. <laughs> Except for you. <laughs> Honestly, all of these like weird kid and Christmas movies being associated with the production and writing team is not that surprising to me. As much as I love Jumanji, it is very kid movie flavored. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it definitely is. And then Chris Van Ellsberg, who is the guy who wrote the book Jumanji, also wrote a book Zarutha and the Polar Express. Zathura. Zarutha, man, that movie. Yeah, we're talking about Zathura today Whatever. at work, actually. Technically, another chapter in the story, although they poop on that for Welcome to the Jungle, sort of. Well, kind of. Apparently, the the Jumanji game something happens at the end of the book Jumanji that leads directly into Zathura. So you got that. So is that the, is that the same one that the 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 um the Sean Connery movie was made out of? No, that's Zardoz. The Zardoz, yeah. It's just it, right before you said it again. Hey Pat, when we're at Gen Con next year or this year, um, I'm gonna do my L impression periodically, and we're gonna see if anybody catches it. All right. <laughs> my question is, how in the hell do you go from Talking about kids' movies to Zardoz. Because of the Z movie. Yeah. Uh, movies with Z's in it. Yeah. Zathura, Zardoz. Yeah. New topic movies with Z's in it. <laughs> Somebody just break a Christmas ornament? <laughs> no, Lucy sneezed. <laughs> oh. All right. So this is starring the late uh, Robin Williams as Alan Parrish, Jonathan Hyde as Ven Pelt and Sam Parrish, and a kind of Robin, or not Robin, as. Um, Peter Panish, dad, is also the villain type of thing. A very young Kirsten Dunst is Judy Shepard. 
Bradley Pierce as Peter Shepard, Bonnie Hunt, Sarah Whittle, Babe Newworth as Nora Shepard, David Allen Greer screaming his best as Carl Bentley, and Patricia Clarkson as Carol Parrish. A great cast all around. Primetime Bonnie Hunt. Is that a thing? Agreed. Oh. And, and Baby Newworth as well. Yeah. Well, at that point, yes, it was a thing. I don't know anymore, but... Oh. I like her, though. Baby. Yeah, I remember her as Lilith from Cheers. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like Patricia Clarkson, too. Primetime Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. Wait, what? Eh. Sit down and have some lemonade. Um. So, <laughs> David Allen... <laughs> I, like I can control my horny level. That what? is that is now your ringtone. <laughs> he was talking about the To Catch a Predator. I was just adding to it. Anyway. So trivia. Um, the, according to author Chris Van Ellsberg, the word Jumanji is Zulu for many effects, which alludes to the exciting consequences of the game, as mentioned in the film. Ah. Nice. Uh, Roger Ebert criticized the film for being marketed as a family film, yet being far too scary for children. Even Robin Williams wouldn't let his children watch it. That's a reasonable uh, criticism that in a lot of ways, this is a kid's movie. And if not for guys like us, you begs the question, who is this made for? Because it's pretty hardcore for kids. Oh, yeah. It's pretty dark. It's not that bad. Okay. Small child watching another child being trapped in the floor as giant spiders are coming to walk over his face. That scene as a kid has got to be pretty terrifying. The spider scene was pretty fucked up, so just saying. The bats at the beginning with the girl? The oh, girl yeah. The I don't think it's that traumatic. It's just kind of a dark movie. because you, li- you live in Texas, man. They had that shit like just walking to school every morning. Exactly. Oh. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you're traumatized by that, uh, you might be a little bit too sensitive. Oh, giant spiders. Uh, uh, get your gun. <laughs> so when I Ben... I'm going to get my six gun. Your six-shooter. <laughs> hey, so, you said it right. Pew? No, he's the one who's always saying six-gun. I was making fun of him. Oh. So when Van Pelt enters the gun store, the music playing on the radio is a national anthem for Mexico. When the film was released in Mexico itself, it was the music was changed to another score because it is an infringement of Mexican law to play the national anthem for a commercial or mockery situations, deliberately or not. Although in the U.S. territories, it is in the public domain. Huh. Interesting. Weird little thing to remember. So, Pat. Why would they be, why would they be playing the Mexican national anthem anyway in the store? Who the hell knows? It's Robin Williams' favorite song. Yeah. There you go. What? Moving on. Uh, Bradley Pierce underwent three and a half hours of applying prosthetic makeup over a period of two and a half months for his scenes as the monkey boy. Ooh, considering how poorly those effects aged, that makes me a little sad. Yeah, they weren't great. It was 95, though. I mean, they weren't as bad as some films. I don't know. It still looked like a $3 Dr. Zayas cosplay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the CGI monkeys weren't phenomenal either, but... Truth. Yeah, they were were very obviously CGI. But there was obvious... You know, I mean, they're still in the first stages of doing cgi at this point in 95 well see here's the problem with cgi in the 90s is the first time any of us really saw like this is cgi was with jurassic park and that became the benchmark it still is in a lot of ways no it is i mean the the, 93 dinosaurs are amazingly well done but i mean steven spielberg does a movie with with uh, cgi animation 
that's where the that's where the bar is set. Of course, everything is going to look like crap past it. You know, so Jumanji monkeys are going to look like, you know, digital puppets. Well, they didn't have quite the budget. I'm sure that Jurassic Park did. Well, maybe not as much as Jurassic Park, but they had a decent budget considering the cast and the story. I mean, this was kind of a big deal. Yeah, yeah. but I wonder how much of their budget was eaten up by, by by salary, actor salaries. By Robin Williams. Yeah, by him himself, yeah. But, I mean, they had a pretty decent cast, too. And David Allen Greer. Yeah. <laughs> he just ate uh-huh. from the, uh, the craft services. That was his pay. Oh, jeez. Michael Winslow must have been busy that weekend, so they had to get David Allen hey. Don't diss on the Winslow. Well, he was their first choice. The guy who made the sound effects for uh, Police Academy was their second choice. It's Michael Winslow. Oh. (laughs) I didn't want to kill the momentum, but I was like, he must be making a joke. So this movie actually did pretty good. I'm going to try and help you here, Josh. Uh, (laughs) The budget of this movie was $65 million. Okay. Box office? Two hundred and six, two hundred sixty-two point eight million dollars. Damn. So cleared two hundred million. Yeah. Well, it was a huge kids' book, if I remember right. I mean, I never read it, but I mean, I think it was kind of a big deal that they were making it into a movie. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That, I mean, for and it wasn't really like a actual like novel, was it? I thought it was like a picture book. Yeah, it's just like a kids' book with pictures and you know, like the usual children's story. Yeah. But it had like really like really pretty artwork, uh, like black and white, kind of um, almost kind of uh, watercolorish. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, it was a very very nice looking kids book, and the story was you know the kids could kind of get into the story, the adventure story. Yeah. Which now that we're actually talking about it, I had I've seen this a few times, and it's been probably ten years since I've seen it. And as I was watching it, I just kept going, Man, this is really not exactly something I would want small children to watch, like we were just talking about. And I know Pat kinda downplayed it, but the themes in it are plus the 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 uh the creatures are pretty intense. They didn't scare me at all. Even the monkeys. I don't know what you're talking about. They were not frightening at all. I was never scared once watching this today. I would hope not. Considering he screams at the face on Thomas the Tank Engine, I mean... Well, that thing is creepy. Fair. <laughs> it looks too much like that Japanese... That thing was... was creepy. What was that? Yeah. Oh, God. What the hell's going on? <laughs> so, what, what was that movie? There was a Japanese movie that they made. I don't remember the name oh, Jap- oh, God. Japanese with the little thing with the face on its head? Yeah. But that oh. wasn't Mazinger Z? No, it wasn't Transfer Z. It was a, it was a live action movie. Whatever. You know what we it wasn't? Have, Jumanji. We, yeah. I just want to say, <laughs> we have derailed again. Yeah. <laughs> now, okay, tossing this out there, was this a first viewing for any of us? No. No. No, though, I think I had only seen the beginning 15 minutes of the movie once before. Right. And I've I, seen it in bits and pieces probably three or four times, but for some reason, most of the times I've watched this movie, I come in about the time Robin Williams comes out of the game. Hmm. What year is like channel flipping, you mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, of course, everybody knows the what year is this meme that's out there, so... You know, it's kind of here. Here's one of the theories. I'm not theories, but one of the terrifying things that people have brought up about this movie is this kid get at 12 years old gets sucked into this uh, alternate dimension death jungle 
and then at 12 years old has to survive. I give want to give this kid credit for surviving for as long as he did in there. Well, there were no bullies stealing his bike apparently in the jungle. Well, and that's one of the other things that's, that's kind of dark about it is that um, this game literally is trying to kill people. Number one, number two, once the kid is gone and the, and the parents put all their money into trying to find him, the town pretty much turns into the worst side of every town. Yeah, like Disney's RoboCop. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, when they're wandering around the town and it's just completely dilapidated and there's there's you know the the Outright X-rated in the front of the downtown buildings. There's an X-rated bookstore. There's the guy living in the uh, the old shoe factory. There's violence. There's drugs. There's all kinds of stuff, and it's just not a nice place to live. Hey, I thought it looked all right. It's because you live in Houston. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Texas. <laughs> Get your six gun. There you go, Pat. Is that better? That's better. Thank you. Okay, good. Well, I I think I probably have a marginally more positive opinion of this now than I did back then, because I didn't see this when it first came out. And I remember thinking the effects were pretty good. Robin Williams was awesome. But overall, I was originally not impressed with the film. Watching it again, like the effects have aged even worse. But the story, aside from David Allen Greer, who annoyed me, uh, as a cop, pretty much the entire time he was on screen, the story was actually better than I remember. He's kind of like one of the cops in Fargo, the TV show. And he was so cool in the shoe factory. I was like, holy crap, this is David Allen Greer. Maybe he can act. And then he put on the police uniform. I'm like, nope, it's David Allen Greer. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, that's, wow. I didn't even really think about that. Yeah, he, he was much better as the shoe guy than as the cop. Well, because that's the cop. They gave him the weird comic effect uh, role of the guy who just runs around screaming the whole and, movie. And everything happens to him, you know. Yeah, it, he he's just supposed to be the comic relief. And, right. Yeah. Well, and, 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 it, and he David Allen Greer's it all up. And they need to have that. But I kind of had the opposite effect of Josh. I remember when I first saw it, I thought it was good, and I still think it's it's a it's a decent movie, but. It, like you said, it hasn't aged real well with the special effects. And I just kind of found myself going, is this a kid's movie? Is this an, like a teenager movie? Is it for adults? It can't seem to quite find its voice, in my opinion, as far as where it wants to go. I completely agree with that. Yeah, it's it's like they, they saw this, this kid's book, like we were talking about Joel, the picture book. They thought it was a great idea, and then they they turned it up to 11. You know, it's like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if they got stuck in the floor and then the spiders came and crawled, you know, they were about to get bit by the spiders all over their face. You know, then the monkeys come and then those giant mosquitoes come. It's just like the amount of peril, I think, for I think if I wouldn't show this to my nephews and nieces. And it's not just that the effects were bad because not all of them were. It was like they spent all of their budget making the CGI lion and the rhinos and stuff looking cool. And they're like, crap. We've got $50 left. We need to do the monkeys. Let's find a guy who's never seen a monkey. We've still got to pay David <laughs> Allen Greer. Yeah. And after, we're, after we spend that $40, we can give the 10 to David Allen Greer. Right. <laughs> yeah, we'll have him both do the CGI monkeys and the monkey makeup. We're good. <laughs> David Allen Greer, everything's coming up ramen this month. <laughs> Sorry, this was kind of a grenade joke. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I mean, like a king. I'm a getting a shrimp king. ramen this month. 
it's all the same price. He, he doesn't know that. He he just not again. <laughs> they were also well, going. We they were going with something weird, having uh, Van Pelt be the same actor as the father and uh, the whole text of Jumanji be make you feel like a child. It's like they tried to say something sort of deep, but didn't quite get there. And well, they, I mean, they set up the father to be so cold and distant and like the turning point was just like it, it, it there was, there was no character arc. It was just, it just, it was like a cliff, like suddenly like, Oh yeah, he spent, he went broke trying to find you. Because he loved you more than he loved anything ever, you know. And then suddenly, oh, dad is the best, you know. And even even when they go back in time, you know, and everything re- re- reverts. Suddenly, he's just a completely different character. Well, and they really, really like when you do the time uh, ripple forward. Like somehow, I don't know if they catch them before the parents died or if everything had changed so much that the timeline just completely changed. They catch them beforehand because right as they're, when they're talking to them, when they come in, they're like, we were just thinking about taking a trip up to Canada. And they're like, no. Okay, that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. So they don't meet them at the same approximate time they would have met them. They meet them like six months earlier. Right. Which kind of begs the question that, that, we will touch on maybe in the second half of the show, but everybody remembers everything in the new movie. But in this one, the kids, at least at this point don't. So in six months, will they remember or do they just not ever know because they weren't born technically when he first got tucked into the game? Huh? Yeah. I guess it's it's a lot weirder. Like the timelines are disrupted way more in the first movie than they are in the second. Yeah. And, and, like one of the things I was thinking while I was watching this was like, just how powerful is this box? That <laughs> I mean, just to be able to not only you know transcend time and 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 like cause all this havoc and just completely reverse reverse it, but like to teleport people and things to you know be able to just willy nilly go go through time as it wants and keep things suspended and and then just completely just rewind time. You know, what, what was it, 36 years by the time it was said and done, you know, and just start everything over? Like, okay, well, you're back to being a kid again. It can do all that, but it still, as a game, is pretty shit. Yeah! Yeah, <laughs> it is a terrible board game. Like, all, all you do is just keep rolling the die until you finally end up at the end, and then you're just done. You just keep got to survive, is all. And, and that's the thing, is, is so long as everyone's paying attention, it's like Monopoly. You can end a game of Jumanji in like 40 seconds flat if everyone's paying attention and taking their turn. Exactly. Just keep grabbing the die. Just keep throwing them. Boom, 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 and you're done. Right, because they would wait for things to happen. They'd act out with whatever was happening, and then they'd be like, okay, I got to roll again. Whose turn is it? Yeah, I I agree with you. That's what I kept thinking. Just a little bit of board gaming etiquette and focus would have made this movie like 20 minutes. Well, (laughs) maybe the people that made the game, they're like, man, this game really sucks. Maybe we should make it like a life or death thing where they don't have a choice. Yeah, that'll that'll make sure they play it. Yeah, yeah. This movie actually started out as a real attempt to make a board game, and they're like, "Well, we sucked at the board game. Let's make a movie out of playing it." Yeah, how how can we make this game longer? Put five hundred dollars under free parking. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put a curse on it or something. I just want to know where the hell it came from. Who makes something like that? Yeah, uh, especially it? you've got that initial like sixty second scene with the two kids way back in the past. 
who are running away with it to bury it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A scene I completely forgot existed until I read it. How incredibly powerful is the person that made this box? Because everything that you you that you make is less powerful than you are so how powerful is the person that had to make this box well and that's one thing that they haven't done in the three films that have been made that are because the third isn't a direct connection but it's another chapter in this the same world but right you know they never touch on where did the game come from it just has always existed and how many people have played and are there it, other people really who didn't is. survive it really is one of those things that they could go to the well many, many, many times and do as many of the movies as they wanted. I think that's probably why Hollywood made it to begin with, was they're like, dude, there's some franchise potential here. And then they went, oops. Oops, David Allen Greer. <laughs> Greer We're being again. real rough on him tonight. <laughs> I hope he's not a listener. <laughs> he fits the profile. Best days behind him. David, if you listen, I'll send you a packet of ramen. <laughs> <laughs> hell I'll, t- I'll send you like a, a pallet of it that's like what three dollars yeah it's, it's like too much work for him <laughs> shrimp if you really want it poor david Allen greer <laughs> if i'm starting to feel bad for somebody we're making fun of we've gone too far <laughs> yeah but no, i mean that that is i think you know, the idea josh that you just had i mean like jumanji across the years i mean could you imagine like a mid- medieval type Set, setting with this sort of thing? Just Jumanji across the years? Or decades? An anthology type thing? Yeah. So they've got jungle, they've got space, they've got, well, where the jungle comes out, you got one where the jungle goes in, you got one where you go like to the Old West, you got one with the medieval, you got one with like Jumanji Tarantino edition. What you've just described is a way more boring version of Westworld. Bring out the gimp. <laughs> Call it. <laughs> Quick, never, roll four. <laughs> they're playing the Tarantino version. It's it's like bring out the gimp, and they're like, "Quick, roll the dice again." <laughs> we don't want to lift out this part. <laughs> What's wrong with me tonight? I have I no have idea. No idea. <laughs> no they clue. The, they cut to the character and goes, "Eh." <laughs> <laughs> Joel's sleeping. <laughs> Better go wake him up then. All right. Do we have anything else to say about 1995 Jumanji? Obviously not. <laughs> yeah. We're making Tarantino jokes already, and Joel's doing the Joel thing. <laughs> Any more shots of David Allen Greer? That's our Joel. Hey, Joel, yeah. give, give us your best David Allen Greer scream. Ah. <laughs> I mean, it could be worse. We could have David Allen Greer instead of Joel. True. Get it up. Jungle Boogie. Well, maybe that wouldn't be worse. Shake it around. Do, 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 do. Let's go to the break. Yeah, that sounds like a, <laughs> sounds like a great idea. Okay, we're going to go for a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about 2017 Jumanji, I hope. about 2017's runaway hit Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. Criminally underrated as far as I'm concerned. I agree with you on this one. I think it did pretty well, didn't it? 
a lot of people took one look at the trailer was like this looks stupid and didn't go see it yeah um let's see <clears throat> i wouldn't have gone to see it if it wasn't for word of mouth but you know i because i'd already seen it before the, we did the show so. really yeah oh that's a first huh. that's a first all right so this uh let's see in a brand new jumanji adventure four high school kids discover an old video game console and are drawn into the game's jungle setting literally becoming adult avatars that they chose what they discover is that you don't just don't play jumanji you must survive it to beat the game and return to the real world they'll have to go to the most dangerous adventures of their lives discover what alan Parrish left 20 years ago and change the way they think about themselves or they'll be stuck in the game forever to be played by others without break Written by Sony Pictures. That's a strange handle for IMDb. <laughs> so yeah, so this is uh, 2017, and we were talking about it just came out on Blu-ray with a uh, surprisingly, to me, surprisingly low budget of $90 million. You'd think that would almost have to all go to the cast, because this has got a pretty decent cast. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, we'll get to that later, but box office, this is, and it just came out on DVD like this week. Box office, $942.1 million. Well, made its money back. Hell yeah. And some. So, crazy pants. Um, This is directed by Jake Kasdan, who did Orange County and Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. That's a great movie. Which one? Walk Hard. Mm. Well, And Orange County makes sense based on... uh, His Jack Black. Oh, right. Well, yeah, Jack Mm. Black. And then um, uh, Colin Hanks. Yeah, true. Uh, Chris McKenna, writing credits, uh, did the screenplay. He also did uh, Igor, Ant-Man and the Wasp, coming up soon, and he did the Lego Batman movie. And uh, also written by Eric Summers, who did the previous three, along with, on TV, Crank Yankers. I remember that. And then uh, episodes of American Dad. Scott Rosenberg also helped on this, and uh, he was... Known for Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead, High Fidelity, Gone in 60 Seconds, and Kangaroo Jack. I've seen three of those four films. And you know, you can put all of those pieces together that you put in, and I can see little bits of all of their influence on the final project. Mm-hmm. You really can. I mean, the last one... The whole time I was watching this, I was thinking, man, this reminds me of Kangaroo Jack. He did. He actually sent me messages, private messages. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Joel. Uh, and also uh, Jeff Pinker, who uh, did Fringe, Alias, and The Dark Tower. And you can completely see that in this movie also. So it's a nice little co-op of talent to make this movie. And uh, in, in an unusual way, a movie by committee did not turn out to be shit. True. That is, and yeah, we, but... It seems to have been that the, that's the uh, theme whenever we see more than two people on a screenplay. It's like, oh, okay, everybody got their vote and... Well, I have my theory about this. I think that this has become Dwayne Johnson's thing. Like, The Rock has gone into movies that by all means shouldn't work. The concept is shit. Maybe the script's okay. But through sheer charisma, he pulls it over the finish line. Well, and I think with the four writers that they had, like Mike was saying, each one of them kind of had their part of it. Like, they're like, okay, you do the action stuff. You do the comedy stuff. You do the kangaroo jack stuff and they all kind of blended it together and it, it it was cohesive and i think you're right i think the cast was a big part of it with johnson's charisma kind of leading the way mm. and dwayne johnson was also the one of the big producers of this also hmm. so he kept cashing his own money on this one well yeah that is that is one thing that guy has in spades is charisma 
Oh, yeah. Completely. And muscles. Yeah, and if you've got a film that has Karen Gillan in the cast and I'm singing the praises of Dwayne Johnson, that's saying something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah says and Jack Black, lot. too. I mean... All right, I mean, so... When, 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 I mean, I'm a fan of hers too, you know, just, just because, you know, why wouldn't I be? But, um, and when she's, she's like the, the, what, fourth, fourth best person on the, in the whole, it's crazy. Well, you've got Jack Black, Kevin Hart, and Dwayne Johnson, who all typically could carry a movie on their own, or they would compete for screen time. And they all work very well together. Mm-hmm. And I would say she is a big up and comer between her Doctor Who credits, uh, her pretty big and growing part in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. So let's go over the cast. We've got Dwayne the Rock <laughs> Johnson as Spencer, Kevin Hart as Fridge, Jack Black as Bethany as his best 16 year old girl. That was, we'll get into that later. Karen Gillian as Martha, Reese Darby as Nigel, as uh, we had seen him before in the X Files show as the werewolf. And, Indeed. Uh, when what we do in shadows oh that's right he was in that too he was he was a werewolf in that too yeah he's great great character actor oh he's he was fantastic i mean flight of the concords oh yeah bobby cannaville as van pelt uh took me a while to realize that he's the uh stepdad from ant-man and he was in uh, the station agent he's a great actor he doesn't honestly doesn't get enough work so I i was happy to see him actually so, but yeah, I like. I thought he was fantastic for you know he was a good villain. Weirdly enough, Nick Jonas from the Jonas Brothers as Alex, who was punched above his weight class. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah, he. I mean, it was strange when I saw that Nick Jonas was in this. I'm like, oh man, is there a, is there a sing? There's got to be a singing scene. No, there wasn't, and he did really well. I, I give him credit for stepping out of uh, the Disneyfied music scene and trying to actually do some Disneyfied movie things. <laughs> He was he was good. He yeah, was he was good. Uh, Alex Wolf as young Spencer. Um, I figure out where I've seen this guy before I was watching it, and then realize I've seen absolutely nothing with him in this. I can't. I I am trying to remember something else I've seen this guy in this in. And uh, young Spencer was fantastic though. Serious, the serious Blaine, Sir Darius Blaine. Got that. Yeah, Sir Darius. Yeah. Um, these are all. Young Fridge, Madison Eisman as young Bethany, and Morgan Turner as young Martha. So all of them, I'm looking at the uh, the kids' backgrounds. Just kind of standard, I don't say standard stuff. The uh, uh, the redhead, Morgan Turner, uh, she was actually in that goofy um, Remember Me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But she part I'm seeing. I don't remember her from it, but I remember the, I remember Remember Me. Yeah. That, well, the... <laughs> Remember? Well, the the thing with her, she, she her heading on that one is taunting classmates. So you know. Oh, okay. She was a really bit part. Oh yeah. But I am look looking at the way these kids were in this movie. Well, not even a kid because Sir Darius Blaine is actually thirty years old. But, <laughs> but this is this, this I think is going to be a big old springboard for all of them. I hope so. Because they were good. Wait a minute. What are you are you looking up to see if I'm right? Oh, I'm looking up something else that I want to see if I'm right because this I'm right. Are you right? It will be funny. Uh, Karen Gillan is 30. I thought so. Wow. So Sir Darius is the same age. Yeah. That's funny. Crazy pants. All right. So some trivia. All the statues in the jungle are modeled after the board game pieces in the original film. Oh, that's why they look familiar. Yeah. 
Also, Mouse Finbar, not Moose, which I thought was a, was fantastic, uh, wears a little badge with a picture of a slice of cake and a line going across it, uh, which is a nod to the fact that his character's weakness is cake. Dude, I love that bit. Just <laughs> everything about that bit. Every time the cake thing came up, it made me laugh. But, <laughs> just, from the very beginning, my weakness is cake? <laughs> hey, my weakness is cake. Makes me explode. <laughs> so... I did not see that coming either. Uh, in, in interviews, Jack Black had said it was a lot of fun as Bethany teaching Karen's character to flirt. I was teaching her how to flirt and how to work it runway style. It was like a living organism kind of scene where some of the some of it was on the page, but a lot of it was just happening in real time. Which what was funny about that was seeing Karen Gillian and, and Dwayne Johnson, and then the scene with with Jack Black, uh, totally just forgetting the fact that they're beautiful people. And just being complete dorks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Their performance, like, as kids in these adult action hero bodies, spot on. Mm -hmm. That kissing scene especially was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And and even down, even though it was in the in the uh, trailer, the um, don't cry, don't cry. (laughs) I mean, to see somebody like Dwayne Johnson doing and doing that and doing it well. You know, and let and actually to the point where I'm buying it. Well, I mean, like I've said before, you know, I'm, the the really good WWE performers are actually good actors because they have to be. You know, I mean, you you're taking a phys- physically, you know, you're getting physically abused over and over, and like actual breaking bones and not even breaking character. That takes some skill. Yeah, you hit in the face with a folding chair and still remember your lines. <laughs> That's impressive. Oh yeah. So uh, cage match. In the aftermath of uh, Jumanji 1995, actor Robin Williams' suicide, uh, many people spoke out against this film, the crew, and assured that this film would provide a great tribute to Robin Williams. But they didn't even, you know, they didn't even do anything. And I'm not saying they should have, you know, but I mean, they didn't do a thing. Well, they mentioned Alan Well, I mean, that's the character. That's not the actor. Well, Sure. Yeah, but I mean, he he wasn't a big part of the film as a character, but it was a clear reference, which I'll get into a little bit. The timeline gets a little weird, but let's finish the trivia first. All right. So uh, Dwayne Johnson found his character of Spencer, Dr. Bravestone, all too relatable. At age 16, he resembled, I don't know why this trivia says, specifically a 46-year-old man, Um, but... At 16 years old, he was six foot four, weighed 245 pounds, and had a mustache. Um, despite his bulky exterior, the one, young Dwayne Johnson was very much a vulnerable teen trying to find himself. Yeah, it should have said 40. Dwayne's 45, so maybe they should have said 45-year-old. I, I don't know. Oh, now uh, I'm de- fucking depressed, man. I'm the same age as Dwayne Johnson? What the hell? Needless to say, we've all done slightly different things with our lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've never had a mustache. Well, man, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was referring to, the mustache. <laughs> Actually, Mike has kind of with his goatee. Yeah. Not, not the the worldwide success known throughout, you know, throughout all the universe, you know, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, we've taken friend. more. We've taken more of the Jack Black minus the fame and money. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Jack Black with with no talent or money or or fame. I mean, for God's sake, uh, uh, The Rock has his own um, app on the App Store as an alarm clock. (laughs) 
you can wake up in the morning to have Dwayne John Dwayne the Rock Johnson say inspiring things to you when you wake up. So when you it, it's I I download I downloaded it and it's when it goes up it's just him going ring ring <laughs> ring and then you hit the pause and it he it says something inspiring but I was just like the problem was I would wake up to the Rock Johnson in my room and that would made things really awkward. <laughs> I was you really aroused. Did that? You, really, you really downloaded that? Yeah, I did. Just because, <laughs> you know me, I was like, that sounds ridiculous. I'll try it. <laughs> and and the other thing is, is that apparently, in in theory, I don't know how much truth there is to it, is the app is actually tied to the alarm clock on his phone also. So whatever time he wakes up that day, you can have it set to wake up at rock time. So whatever time <laughs> Dwayne the Rock Johnson gets up in the morning. You will also get the alarm clock at the exact same time. All right, now time for 250 push-ups. Uh, no, that's where yeah. we differ, Rock. Yeah, I have two. <laughs> so, and they weren't good. Uh, at a, uh, all the Branford High School scenes were shot at the same school that 2015's Goosebumps was shot at, uh, which also starred Jack Black. <laughs> so Jack's like, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. So there's the trivia. Take it or leave it. Why should we film at this school? Well, Jack Black already knows where all the emergency exits are. <laughs> but he's not in any of the scenes in the school. That's that's a good enough reason for anything, actually. <laughs> that's, how, that's how they choose the shooting locations. How quickly Jack can Black. Jack Black <laughs> escape? Like, I hid cocaine there. You're going to make it? Yeah. I, I don't think he is. Um, so... First time viewing, I think, for all of us, except for Pat. He went. How many Pat. of us? Yeah, how many of us actually went to the theater to see it? Me, just Pat, just you. Yep. Oh, that's weird. I took my niece. I took my niece to see it about a month ago. Cool. How how did she like it? She loved it. And how old is she? Just to. Uh, she's going to be ten ten next month. So the audience understands the demographic there. Yeah. Yeah. She well, she had a, she had a great time. She she loved it. The first thing I noticed about this one is even though the game is still trying to kill them, it's a lot less dark. It is. Well, ha- having the, the respawn, for one, you know, helped with that. Because you, you can still be pretty <clears throat> lethal, but it's not obviously going to end that character. So. Right, right. I, I agree with that. That, I think, was actually a nice thing to put in there, because if... I mean, Kevin Hart pushes Dwayne the Rock Johnson off the cliff, and then he's like, oh, now he's dead. Yeah. Yeah, or Kevin Hart just gets eaten by by a hippo with the beat. Okay, we're done. <laughs> you mean Jack Black? Or yeah, yeah, Jack Black. He sorry. doesn't know well, the difference. But it also left the the script open for a really a really nice speech that Kevin Hart gave um, later on about how you know we only get one life, like <laughs> so you got to do with it what you will. And I didn't feel quite. The, I, I got to admit, one thing I forgot to say in the first half: there were times it hit my heart. Uh, hearing Robin Williams say uh, inspiring things about how we just got to keep going about life. And I, I felt a little weird about it. it, well, it maybe, felt... maybe he should have watched Jumanji himself. Yeah. Yeah. That's... yeah hearing inspirational advice come from someone who is still alive, who, who didn't unfortunately succumb to kind of the opposite of that advice is a little bit more heartwarming and a little less. This is kind of weird or weird to watch now. Yeah, it's just one of those things. The passage of time has changed. Right. Yeah. You know, a movie that happens sometimes. You know. But the timeline is weird. 
because at the end of Jumanji, the board game makes its way all the way to the other side of the world. And then somehow in the same year makes it all the way back to Metallica kids room. How did it get to the other side of the world? Uh, the final scene of original Jumanji, it washes up and there are a couple of, I, I, couldn't, place, place looks like Tunisia or something like that. Yeah, oh. I couldn't identify whether they were like Japanese, Chinese, Korean. From I, ooh ooh, what I thought if, it just washed up on the beach at down the way from where they were. No, no, the people were clearly speaking uh, some sort of Asian language, some sort of Southeast Asian language. I missed that, I guess. Uh, yeah, I missed the language. Yeah. Here's something. I just I was on the beach. Something blow your mind. What if there's more than one Jumanji out there? Oh, well, that would open it up for a sequel. Yeah, it would. And whoever's but... making these things, they need to shut that shit down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> David Allen Greer, actually. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's some giant you know sweatshop full of gods that have been imprisoned by some giant being, and they're just you know David Allen Greer crank, cranking out Jumanjis. Yeah, and you find out the very end of the Jumanji series that that that. That multidimensional super being is just David Allen Greer. Well, they brought in a god with the power of game design this time around, because this is better than just roll the dice and move six spaces and have spiders try and fuck you in the butt. <laughs> well, that was one of the things that I really liked about this movie. Not the spiders, but the... Wait, uh, the wait, wait, wait. What version did you watch? Because <laughs> I don't recall that. I may have been editorializing about it. Oh, okay, okay. You remember the butt-fucking spiders? He watched Jumanji's. That's a different movie. Oh my god! <laughs> I said Jumanjis. Um, what is the plural? Jumanji. As Mike is getting ready to, okay, this has got the NC-17 explicit <laughs> lyrics. Do you honestly, honestly think I don't put that on every single show that we do? Fair. <laughs> like, what uh, fucking spider? <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of the show now. Um, wh- one of the things I really liked about this was the way that they incorporated the tropes of the video game. Uh, like, you know, the characters that they, uh, they're they there to give you exposition about the story, but they can only tell you certain answers based on your responses. Mm-hmm. Or they'll only talk to one character or, you know, whatever the case may be. I thought they played those into the film nicely and they worked really well. Oh, yeah. Uh, when um, Riss Darby showed up as Nigel in the truck, he was just like, Hello, welcome adventurers. And then, you know, initially they're like, what? But it's, Nigel, it, Nigel is awesome. Yeah, he was. He's a, he always is. Yeah. I kind of wish they'd done a callback to the cutscene thing when we saw Van Pelt in scenes where the characters didn't see him, indicating this was another cutscene. Just a line of one of them going, why are we seeing this? And it's like, shut up, another cutscene. <laughs> I would have loved to see that. That would have been pretty funny. But no, this um, Dole, what you're saying with the with the video game tropes, I mean, all the way into when Spencer is fighting in the bazaar and he's calling out block, dodge, that sort of thing. And then, and then at the very end, you notice uh, he does um, one of the rocks finishing moves on a guy, the body slam. I forgot what it's called. Pat, you're the wrestling guy. Help me. Uh, people's elbow, that one? No, no, it was another one. It wasn't people's elbow. It was something else. I think he, he did a oh, fin- Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Are we back to the butt fucking fighters again? <laughs> does does Spider have puss puss? Oh no. my god, that's a throwback. <laughs> We've lost the rails once again. <laughs> In the yeah. mists of Jumanji, yeah. which is what we're so we're talking about. 
Does Jumanji have puss puss? <laughs> Jumanjas. Anyway, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Josh. <laughs> now the uh, I, I don't know. I just think that between the video game stuff and the incredible performances of all four of the lead actors, uh, this thing went beyond a kind of lukewarm concept with a good script to be a really decent, I'd say good movie. Oh yeah. I mean, I remember with the, we our our opinions. When we, I remember talking about this with you guys when like on the pre-show stuff, it was like, Oh, they're remaking Jumanji. Oh God. You know, let's, see how this goes oh the rock is in it of course the rock is in everything and then we saw the trailer i'm like that's a really clever twist you know that the the game itself alters itself to be able to be played for the for the decade that it's in yeah exactly which like i thought was into the... into the video game co- console which was super cool yeah. and it also um by not having the you know another oh they play the board game it attacks the city type of thing they reverse the entire plot of the movie sure i mean a, a lot of people have that unanswered questions like the coolest thing is the world that he disappeared into for two decades plus why can't i see that world and they are like okay that's what we're doing this time mm-hmm. well the other thing that they did was they they took the fact that they had a really nice setup um to pass along a lot of messages actually and they were a little, you know, heavy-handed for the adults who were watching, but for the kids, maybe they would pick up on things unintentionally, like, you know, how Bethany doesn't have her phone. And she talks about how, you know, since I haven't had my phone, I've, I forget what she says exactly, but it's been a positive experience for her that she doesn't have to feel attached to that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about, you know, you've only got one life, or you know, overcoming your fears. You know, there's all these little subtle messages that I thought was a nice touch. That, and they were, they weren't too preachy about any of it. It wasn't too. And over the top. That was the good thing is that while it did, it had the complete and utter potential to be super preachy through the entire movie. But outside of that one, the Kevin Hart's, you know, you only you only have one life conversation that he had with with the Rock. I mean, that's really as bad as it got. And I kind of feel like they earned that scene from yeah. the fact that there are four kids from slightly different backgrounds with different relationships, one potentially romantic, one friends that used to be friends, but not so much anymore, et cetera. Mm-hmm. There's also a little bit of a breakfast clubby feel going on with the pairings and their one-on-one interactions throughout the film. Strange you say that. Um, Jack Black actually commented in a interview that he felt this was a, a, a very – uh, breakfast clubby also and apparently moose got held back a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah so no it um <laughs> i was i was trying to say something poignant and then you just ruined it Joel. thank you right. i don't no 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 you you do why you do what, what we brought you here to do yeah. we don't we don't we don't want any too much of that poignant shit going on yeah, i don't know I've, i'm sorry i was trying to make a point <laughs> i mean we could get poignant but like 30 seconds is like the max time you have penises <laughs> David Allen Greer. Like I said, um, no, uh, though I do have to say, Bethany peeing scene was fantastic. Oh, yes. <laughs> the fact I'm not Instagramming this. Or after she hugs, uh, what's his name? Oh, that was cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the fact that the dick jokes didn't immediately make me roll my eyes and, uh, like, I actually found them funny. And normally that's the sort of humor that I don't care for. Well, I mean, they were. They were lowbrow, but they were lot. Best way to say, it, logically lowbrow. 
I mean, you've got well, a 16-year-old girl who's getting poured into Jack Black's body, and you're like, holy crap, this is easy. You know, that sort of thing is really funny. Well, and there was another there was another point where they kind of threw something out there. It was kind of a throwaway line, but again, it, it had a good message where she gets back into her body, and she's like, I'm never going to feel like I'm fat again or something like that, um, or I'm never going to be feel bad about my body again, I think is what she actually said. And it's again, it's just another kind of, it's all about perspective, you know? Another nice little message. What they and we did. got some, even if it is uh, a, a little bit understated, we got some character growth for all four of the principals. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, you weren't expecting, when sitting down to this movie, you weren't expecting like major, you know, changes. I mean, they're, they're 16 year old kids, uh, high school kids. I mean, how much change can you actually have in that, in that situation? Um, one thing I did think, was great was the scene where they come back and meet um i just said his name colin hanks nigel nigel yes where they meet they meet nigel not nigel alex not nigel yeah oh well, i just someone had a name i didn't know where you were going <laughs> well they meet yes, alex after alex yes and that and that actually was pretty cool because i was you know i was kind of hoping at the beginning they weren't going to just have teenage nigel show up you know 20 years later and being the same age you know i really i'm glad that did not go that way plus i got i got to see colin hanks yay nice surprise and it was a nice moment between the the five of them too kind of reconnecting and now he's he's like what it's been 20 years or i remember how long he said but not 20 years was it 20 years 20 25 years yeah i mean you're talking mid 90s to now yeah i guess so but this time, everybody remembered everything. It wasn't like in the other one, which we already talked about that. But. And it pretty much only changed that one house and that one family, the the timeline switch. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. I would certainly watch it again. I know the kids liked it because they had seen it before I did. And so at some point, we'll probably have to watch it again. I'm sure I'm going to probably buy the DVD when I see it at some point. You know, it's like ten dollars or so. Yeah, because you know what it is. It's not. It's not super deep. It's not one of those movies that you have to pay attention to. It's not like, you know, like I once tried to do stuff around the house while watching um, Donnie Darko. <laughs> <laughs> that did not work. This totally is a in the background, enjoy watching the the bits of it that you see type of thing. Yeah, a good kind of Sunday rainy day afternoon, kind of hanging out. Yeah, I, I almost would put this in the same category as like a, a Big Trouble in Little China type of action movie. Yeah, th- that's fair. As a big fan of that film, I, I don't think that's overstating it very much at all. Cool. Um, I, and I'll say, while there was no expectation that they were going to fail or anyone was going to actually die, I audibly cheered at the end when they won. Oh, yeah. I, I was that into it. Yeah, you felt really good for me because they, they were... The four of them work together so well, even outside of the Kevin Hart and Dwayne Johnson, they're, they're <clears> friends outside of this also. But Jack Black, Carrie Gillen, the four of them are probably, in fact, in one of, I looked it up also in one of the interviews, uh, the director, uh, Kate, Jake Kasson, commented that he has everybody that he wanted in those roles, the exact person in each of those roles. So, That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, and when you've got, like I said earlier, that many strong personalities in one thing, it's hard not to step on each other's toes, but I didn't ever get that sense that somebody was trying to showboat or overstep their bounds. I think they had really good writing, really good direction, the whole thing. I mean, oh yeah, 
I defanged a snake. <laughs> yeah. Hey, how you doing? Oh. I defanged a snake. Cake makes me explode. <laughs> Cake makes me explode. Oh, one last thing before we finish up. The scene where they're they're first running away from the motorcycle guys and uh the rock starts running. That was such a video game moment. Oh, and Kevin <laughs> Kevin Hart can't even keep up with Jack Black. And then the rock goes <laughs> zooming yeah, past him like <laughs> Get on my back. I am not getting on your back. <laughs> I also love the dance fighting seduction where like the, her battle music overall is baby. I love your way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a nice touch. Good stuff. So uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. Okay, I'll go first. On the original, I, I have a thumbs up. Like it, it's maybe not a, a super enthusiastic one, but yeah, I'm gonna continue to watch Jumanji. I'm not gonna go out of my way to watch the original, and a very enthusiastic thumbs up for the new one. Cool. What about you, Joel? Um, I, I even though I kind of uh, twisted a little bit on the original, the this this particular viewing, I still think it's a thumbs up. I still think it's a good movie. It just isn't quite what I remembered. And the new one, definitely. It was just a whole lot of fun. All right, Pat? Uh, I'd definitely say thumbs up on both. The first one, um, I hadn't watched it in a long time. Watched it again uh, just today uh, for the first time in probably 10 years. And it was better than I remembered. <clears throat> yeah, that's and that's where I fall. I mean, the first one is better than I remembered, but but didn't hold up as well as I remembered. Does that make sense? I mean, it was. I was expecting it to be a lot worse than it actually was after rewatching it after so many years. But it was better than I remembered, but still not as built up as I had it in my head. Yeah, that makes sense, and I think it's fair. Yeah, for numbered for uh, you know, Welcome to the Jungle, they have thumbs up, and thank you very much for only using the uh, uh, Welcome to the Jungle by uh, Guns N' Roses at the very end. I was really worth it. with the subtitle of this one. I was kind of worried that they were going to overplay that song through the whole movie, but they kept it good. Versus the Jonas Brothers, Welcome to the Jungle. Somewhere out there, also reading <laughs> up on this, there is a version of Welcome to the Jungle that is sung by all four of the main cast. With, really? With Jack Black singing as Axl Rose. I can see that. So there's a little uh, YouTube search that we can figure that out for the this one. But yeah we got to find another movie that's bad, because we've had a lot of four thumbs up across the board for all of us in a, for the last couple shows. We'll do a people show, David Helen Greer. I think in about five weeks we'll satisfy that curiosity. Oh, dear. I see what's up coming up in five weeks. So anyway, Josh, <laughs> what's up next week? Uh, next week we are going to talk about the bar show. We've talked a little bit about alcohol in particular, but we're going to talk about the venues uh, that we have purchased legally and or illegally uh maybe worked in hung out in both as uh young adults and as older adults yep talk about bars and if you're looking for our older stuff that is on uh, itunes blueberry stitcher talk show podverse fm noon fm like i said 708 now wrap 708-669-9727 and uh yeah so uh thanks for listening and we'll be back next week with uh all the dive places and fancy places and all those other places that we hung out and uh, drank in. Our April Fool's joke could be that we're, hey, we're going to do two shows this year, and we just release one, and they're all looking for the second show. 
that's the worst I've ever heard. That's terrible. <laughs> that's just mean. That's just mean. <laughs> that's just determined to lose people. <laughs> That's the thing is, even if you tried to do it by like claiming there were going to be two shows and just skipping the number, people would just assume we fucked up.